This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, Azerbaijani for Is This Seat Taken? In honor of yet another different winner in Baku. I am Drew Scanlon. Joining me is Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? I'm great, man. I'm good. The Baku, it's just, it's like a like a voodoo, man. You never know when it's going to strike, but it's it's going to strike. Even if you're halfway through the race, don't sleep. Baku is coming for you. Uh, also coming for us, Rob Zachney. How are you, Rob? Yeah, Baku truly is like <laughs> the sinister Monaco. You know, like <laughs> Monaco, boring, Mega Monaco. exactly what it looks like. Baku? Hmm. What's it up to? <laughs> Something in the water in the Caspian Sea, my friend. Uh, if you are new to this podcast, a very warm welcome. And if you're new to Formula One itself, good time to start. Uh, we recommend <laughs> listening to our preseason primer episode, um, which assumes no prior F1 knowledge. And uh, we'll get you up to speed on who everybody is and how the sport works and everything. So if you'd like to go listen to that and get a nice foundation, it's episode 137. Uh, also, the show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shift F1, where every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons. Uh, covering racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, experiments with other racing series, and a lot of weird things. There's a, If you sign up now, there's like so much weird stuff in oh the my back gosh. catalog. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, and it's it's probably about to get much weirder. Um, so if you'd like to support the show and get access to all that fun stuff, head over to patreon.com slash shift F1. Uh, click the link in the show notes. Well, what's been going on this month, Danny? Yeah, quick check-in on all that. So I guess that with the whole 23 or how many races we're doing this year, it means we have a lot of track walks that have been going up uh, for the past couple of months, and there's way more to come. In fact, we'll have, I guess, because the triple header is coming up next, so we're going to have, um, although two of those are Spielberg, so <laughs> maybe there's some override there. But uh, yes, we have two, we have three tiers on Patreon, in case you didn't know. Uh, the uh, Paddock Pass people who are in the $5 range, they get all access to the a bonus podcast we've done over the past how many years three four years it's like at this stage there's you know who knows 50 hours probably worth of podcasts on old uh on racing movies and stuff like that uh, we're about to record our new one uh, after doing drive to survive which is quite a lot of homework for people to uh consume before the podcast we've decided to go a bit shorter for this month so we're going to watch the animated short le mans 1955 um which is about 15 minutes long uh, and beautifully shot or beautifully animated rather um so we'll be talking about that on the podcast this week on the patron exclusive podcast sorry this month, this month. um and uh, yeah loads of track walks coming to media pass this month as well as of course me opening packs of cards because like any good youtuber i know how um skinner boxes work uh, and a massive <laughs> shout out to all of our awesome title sponsors jason kelly will rumpf umberto roca circuit demon reagan sam g Connor McManners, Jason Chadwick, Abdullah Althani, Bailey Foot, Jack Ben, Greg Salt, Fudo Highs, BPM, who've gone with Paps Plumibben this month, the week. It's pretty good. Uh, Drew Stewart, Tracy Syntax, and is is Wait. I know Jack. I know I know Jack is like a a. It's like a nickname for other J like John or Jason and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. John, so yeah. we yeah. Too, John, this we too many Jasons. For John. Yeah, let's go with John. John John Mahoff, let's say. Um, <laughs> thank you for joining this month. Uh, well. It's a family um, podcast. <laughs> yes, let's let's jump right in to Baku, fellas, um, because there's a lot to get to here. Baku started biting hard and qualifying. Oh. Turn 15 took out Stroll and Giovinazzi in Q1. Uh, both causing red flags. The red flag for Stroll actually enabled Russell's mechanics to finish repairing his car after a, a problem that he had in practice. So funny. Free. 
Yeah. Which was pretty cool. The monkey paw um, working there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, the red flag for Giovinazzi, though, led to a three-place grid penalty for Norris because he didn't enter the pits yeah. um, when the red flag came. It was, it was one of those, like, you know when you're rolling up to a, uh, a traffic light and the <laughs> light turns yellow right at the wrong time? You're like, should I gun it? Should I slam on the brakes? It was one of those situations, and yeah. he chose to not enter the pits. He even asked his team, like, but here's the thing, right? When that happens, in, in your heart of hearts, you know whether or not you're meant to slow down or it's not. True. And, and Norris, I think, got caught out. I think he was like, you know what? I'm going to finish this lap because just in case I want to get a time in. Uh, but I'll ask my pit lane if it's the right time. And then, you know. The other thing is, I think it that was my worse read. on replay where people were like, oh, it was a real, it was real, it was a judgment call. It was real close there. On replay, it's like, that he could have dumped all the speed and like safely entered the pits. Like everyone's like, "Oh, it's a tough pit entry," and it's like, "It's not that tough." Like I could have done that, uh, and so it's just, wow. it was kind of a weird lapse. I, I wonder if like was he distracted? He didn't fully know exactly where he was on the straight, and he thought he was closer. I don't know, but like if you look at on re- look at it on replay, it's like it's a clear mistake, uh, and there's no. It's kind of baffling as to why he would be asking his uh, pit lane unless mm. he's trying to get a lap. Yeah, so normally it is apparently a five-place grid penalty for this, um, but I guess the stewards were a little lenient because they only gave him a three-place penalty, yeah. sort of a half a half measure. A talking a weird. to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he also got some penalty points on his license, bringing him, I think he has the most. He does. He's eight. eight. Yeah. Eight and 15 of, is a... Isn't it's 12, a fi- I think. Oh, it's 12. Okay. Yeah. You get you accrue 12 points in a, in a 12-month calendar year, and you have to sit out a race, so... I wonder He's, when uh, his last one was. Because, uh, yeah, of course, it's not by season. It's by calendar. It's, it's by rolling. the year. So, yeah, I yeah. don't know when those are going to drop off in the back mm. there. But, um, Q, uh, So that was all in uh, Q1 at turn 15. <laughs> turn four took out two more cars. Uh, Ricardo in Q2 uh, and Tsunoda in Q3. Um, Signs also had to bail off. Uh, on an escape road to avoid Tsunoda on that last one. And that that crash also meant that nobody got to do a second run in Q3. So everybody went out once, and that was kind of your lap. Um, meaning, Charles Leclerc gets his second pole position in a row. Crazy. Absolutely uh, Lewis crazy. Lewis Hamilton qualified right next to him in second place. Uh, then we've got Max Verstappen in third, and Pierre Gasly in fourth. Um, Carlos Sainz is in fifth. Sergio Perez in sixth. Yuki Tsunoda doing well to get it in seventh. Fernando Alonso in eighth. Uh, Lando Norris in ninth again after his three place grid penalty. And then Valtteri Bottas in tenth. Uh, behind them, well, sorry, Rob, go ahead. Just, we should mention Valtteri's like qualifying is a little bit deceptive there because like he like because of the truncated Q three, um, mm. he never really got set up to do a proper run out there like he was he slingshotted lewis right yeah yeah he was yeah. he was giving lewis the toe uh and ironically accidentally ended up uh towing leclerc as well to an extent <laughs> he was the head of a train that, that brought ferrari to the front but yeah uh you know valtteri had a bad qualifying in part because he was put in the sacrifice position uh for that one um but it also does seem we discussed this in the race seems like something was up with that car performance yeah yeah for sure um, behind them in 11th place, we've got Sebastian Vettel, followed by Esteban Ocon, Daniel Ricciardo, uh, Kimi Raikkonen, George Russell, starting in 15th place. Then we've got uh, Latifi, Schumacher, Mazepin, and then the two who crashed, Stroll and Giovinazzi, uh, did not set a time. Uh, so there you go. A little bit of a scrambled field heading into uh, what is certain to be a scrambling race. Uh, yes, if, the, uh, if history is to be believed. It was the uh, tied for most red flags in qualifying with four. So that's... That's a lot in that's one That's a hour. lot of red flags. Yeah, even for Baku. Right. <laughs> uh, well, so do you want to take us through the start then, Danny? Yeah, there's literally nothing to say about the start. <laughs> oh, there's some stuff. 
<laughs> they all get, I'm waiting for somebody to, to break wrong and fall down that escape road or on turn two to go down that escape road or for there to be some fighting on the first DRS straight. I guess it was a little bit of that. Um, but in terms of the leaders, Leclerc had a great start, pulled away. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of drivers here know that if you can survive Baku, there's a good chance of you getting points. And if you can survive Baku at the front, there's a good chance that you'll get more points than you would at a regular track. So they're pretty... Um, careful around here. There's also like kind of, as we said last week, there's a few places on this track to overtake if you've got the pace. So you don't need to be doing anything crazy at the start. So we didn't see much crazy stuff at the start. Um, there was basically not much overtaking until uh, the DRS zone. And I'm trying to think, was that when... Perez uh, got by Gasly. Yes, that's what it was. That was at the yeah. uh, turn three, I think, right at the end of the yes. DRS straight. And then someone yeah. else did really well at the back. I know Vettel got the jump on Bottas, and then um, I think there was someone else who did really well. Like Kimi got five places right away, or Lando, some someone like that who was like sixteenth ended up. Was marching. Lando? Nor- was the, Lando? Uh, McLaren's plummeted uh, at, at the opening. Uh, they lost You're right. Sorry, he did the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Vettel got two. Um. Yeah. And uh, whoa, who is this? Giovinazzi. Wow. Got five. You start with nothing. <laughs> Mr. First yeah. out, man. <laughs> exactly. You have to overtake the uh the hostage. They have to let him pass. You know, like you know. Yeah. I know it's not blue fags, but go ahead. It's fine. We're used to it. Uh. Well, that uh, Le- Leclerc's lead doesn't last very long because Hamilton gets by him on the straight without DRS. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and a few laps later, Verstappen gets by Leclerc into second. Uh. When DRS is turned on. Uh, and at the same time, picture in picture shows Sunoda getting by Alonso with DRS into seventh place, which is cool. Um, and then, yeah, uh, shortly thereafter, uh, Perez by Leclerc also into third place. So now the the running order is Hamilton, Verstappen, Perez, Leclerc. Also, I just want to mention a few people do really early pit stops in here, which is just going to be relevant because a question that emerges from this race is like, was something up with the Pirellis on the long stints? And we see uh, like Giovinazzi comes in super early uh, for, for hards. And I think the Williams boys do as well. Yeah. Um, and so there's, there's a few guys out there who are trying uh, really aggressive track position strategies uh, on this, which ends up being a good call. Yeah, we'll also see Aston Martin playing the long game, kind of going the opposite direction, leaving their guys out for much longer. Although uh, they've got different tires on, Vettel has softs and Stroll has hards, but we'll we'll get to that. Um, lap eleven, Signs goes in, into the runoff area uh, after missing a turn. Yeah, mm-hmm. worth mentioning. This- Sorry, go ahead. Worth mentioning that, that that was a turn eight, right? So they changed the entry to turn eight, which I didn't catch in the track walk last week. So mm-hmm. the there's an initial. Uh, sort of like uh, what would you even call it it's kind of a, it makes it almost like a faux chicane Bef- as you're basically at the castle part before you yeah. creep up to the castle there was that like little tricky they shaved part. off the left apex exactly yeah. so this is probably this is the thing where if you hit it it almost was like the Singapore sh- sling where if you hit this thing and lost any like oh, contact with the ground kick you into the other one exactly you were going into that wall you'd never make the turn and that's what happened to Leclerc a couple of years back like so that was the one to stop people from basically like creating a massive parking lot there if you crash. Right. So they, they shaved off that entry a little bit, um, which we actually, it didn't come up very often because there wasn't much action there at all. Uh, but right. in that one instance, um, yeah, signs miss missed the entry there. So around that time is when pit stops start happening uh, at, at the front. Hamilton pits from first, um, goes from soft to hard tires, but it's a slow stop because they had to hold him for Gasly entering the pits at the same time. Um, which is it's a real bummer because you look down the rest of the pit lane and there's nobody. Like, really? The one time another car is coming in here and well, it's, and it's right the Red Bull when B we team. want to release. Like, I don't think it's that. I don't think they can co- I don't think the two pit boxes can coordinate that way. I don't think Helmet is sitting there like on two phones. Like, <laughs> But it is just like they could not have strategized that any better to make sure that yeah. whatever work uh, Hamilton did on the track got completely erased there. Yeah, because Verstappen sh- follows uh, shortly shortly thereafter and does a much faster stop, 1.9 seconds, uh, and They're comes so out good. way ahead They're of so Hamilton. Good. So uh, expertly uh, jumping him well, in the pits. And in all of this, uh, with clear track out of him, Perez is just gone. 
Um, yeah. That's the thing. Like, Verstappen was looking like he was well-positioned to lead this race, but then Perez had so much, like, performance in his back pocket that suddenly it was looking like he was going to easily uh, create a gap to um, to Max that couldn't be uh, – that probably couldn't be made up, except – Again, I, like I can't help but be conspiracy minded about these things. When Perez <laughs> goes in, Red Bull oh, yeah. flubs the pit stop, and supposedly it's one of the guns, um, like is like has a fault, and it takes them extra time to execute the wheel change. But it's a four point three second stop, and again, like boy, if you just want to avoid team politics discussions, what can be done? Just uh, we had a bad pit <laughs> stop, and it just reshuffled our primary driver to the front. Um, I like uh, my my antennae were were twitching <laughs> when I saw that you go from a one point nine second stop to a four point three. Yeah, uh, he does get out still ahead of Hamilton, um, though. So behind Verstappen, but ahead of Hamilton, which is crucial because uh, for Verstappen certainly because Perez will be quite an obstacle for Hamilton to get past if he wants yeah. to chase down Verstappen. He's a he's got the one of the widest cars on the grid for sure. Mm. Um, and, like we and mentioned, now it's fast. Before yeah. it wasn't, so even harder. Yeah. Oh, and we should also um, mention, um, you know, you, you mentioned earlier, Vettel stays out for a really long stint. And this is, like, people were commenting when a good run it was, and I was thinking, like, this is Vettel's happy space, man. Like, yeah. he is out in front, clear air. All he has to do is, like, turn consistent, fast, and, like, low wear laps. And turns out he still is one of the best in the business at, like, doing that assignment yeah he he leads the race for like three laps um which is great to see uh and yeah he he stays out for i think five laps longer than anyone else on the soft tires um and like we mentioned before aston martin opts to leave stroll out for a long time as well i mean he started from the back so um doing the strategy could potentially move him up especially if there is a safety car uh because if you go long on your tires and there's a safety car, suddenly everyone on track is lapping much slower. And so you lose less time in the pits. Mm. Un- well, we got a safety car, but unfortunately it was for stroll. Uh, <laughs> and it closed we... the pits. Yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. It, you're right. <laughs> we, we cut back to uh, the straight and it is stroll's car in tatters next to a wall. Um, on replay, it looks like his rear left tire fails on the straight, which is really scary because it's the fastest part of the track. Um, and it kind of turns him and he noses right into the wall. Uh, it's uh, it's it's rough stuff. Well, um, like, but yes, a safety car comes out. He doesn't have that much clearance to Gasly behind him. Like Gasly has to react no. very quickly to avoid uh, broadsiding him because, yeah, it's just one of those nightmare wrecks uh in f1 these cars are not meant to have like terminal dives into the wall on a straight um and so you see like the geometry of these accidents goes all wrong uh when something like that happens and you could hear like stroll sounded shaken you know he's on the radio he's like get me out of here um because he red flags red flags he's uh, he's like he's like um get me yeah get me out of here yeah you know he crashed you could see in the crash he didn't take his hands off the wheel because he is trying to make sure he does not go out into the racing line. I mean, it's one of the fastest parts of the F1 calendar, that that straightaway. It's like 300 kilometers an hour at the top end. And, uh, you know, it's yeah, it's not that much wiggle room to get around a car if you're flying that fast. So, you know, that's where we see those horror crashes, right? Like what we had in Spa and F2 yeah. a couple of years back. It's it's that type of thing. That's There's nothing faster than one of those cars coming at you. So, um yeah, thankfully he he was all right. Thankfully he did. He crashed left. He didn't crash right. And we'll talk about it later. But there was a crash later on that also thankfully went right and not left. Yeah. Um. So we get we do not get a red flag. Um. We do get a safety car though for about four laps, and then the restart. Um. Looks like for Stappen, Perez, Hamilton, uh, in the top three slots. Then we've got Gasly, Leclerc, Vettel. Sunoda, Norris, Botas, and then Ricardo uh, in 10th on the restart. Um, do you want to take us through this restart, Danny? Oh, my goodness. Um, I've got me, some notes, too, if you need. Yeah, let me... Let me. Yeah, do you mind going for... I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm going to check it out now, but go ahead. Okay, yeah, so Gasly locks up into turn one, which causes Leclerc behind 
to break earlier. And that loss of momentum enables Vettel to swing into the inside and take fifth place from Leclerc. Um, you can, he's like, he's just biding his time. Uh, at the next corner, though, Leclerc has a huge lockup and oh, so misses rear-ending Vettel by like an inch. Oh. It is so close. Yeah, uh, that's crazy. And Vettel's not done. He tries to move on Gasly at turn four and Gasly defends. But at the end of the lap, uh, Vettel's new tires, seven laps newer than Gasly's, uh, perhaps give him an advantage and he breezes by Gasly without DRS. Like the, the Aston Martin... <laughs> for some reason looked very good uh in this race yeah there's only 15 laps left at this stage too as well so we're looking at verstappen perez hamilton but then look who's behind them vettel gasly leclerc you're like oh a podium for one of them i mean a podium for checo is cool you know he did say it would take him five races to sort of dial this thing in um but you're also thinking oh wouldn't it be cool if one of those managed to get up there too especially yeah like Leclerc's done well to hold on to this. He knew that they weren't podium was going to be difficult this weekend, but at least they were in a good position at the start. Um, so yeah, it's an exciting la- prospect for the end of this race. Yeah, but it wouldn't be Baku without a real curveball. Baku. So <laughs> on lap forty-six, we cut once again to a shot of the start finish straight and Verstappen's car has just struck the wall and is spinning down the road Uh, and it's weird because there's no other cars around him and sure enough it's the same thing that happened to Stroll here a tire failure at the fastest part uh, of the track yeah eyes and ears and minds immediately return to depends what era of F1 that you've watched but there this has happened there's races where just the tires didn't work or something happened and you're suddenly you're like oh is this a tire problem is is everyone now on edge you think silverstone uh, i think it was six years ago now when when it happened to the mercedes the car tires were blown up left right and center well, wasn't um, it also um, like last year or the year before uh where we had multiple uh like tire lifespan uh issues where like near the end like that's where hamilton finishes on uh three wheels right oh yeah yeah God. i think so McLarens also lost yeah. their tires there too. So, yeah. I mean, this is so one, two things. Uh, one, I am impressed that the producers caught that incident so quickly because remember they yeah. were like Hamilton was trying yet again to run Checo down, and once again it didn't look like it was super in the cards. Um, but he was he was trying once again to to get a good run on him uh, heading into that straight, um, and. Then we catch most of the incident, uh, and then when you watch the replay from Max's perspective, you can hear uh, the bang as the wheel let go. Let's go, um, and then a second later, all the handling goes away, and he's just sort of dumped around there. Now, after the race, you, know, you mentioned like, well, what's going on with the tires? There's already some weirdness around Stroll. Like, what what caused that? Um, Pirelli downplayed it. They didn't think there were issues. Other teams didn't seem concerned about uh, you know tire tires blowing up but this one was alarming and after the race there's kind of interesting intense dynamic here people ask verstappen like well what what do you think the incident was Uh, have you heard anything and verstappen says for sure uh there will be talks with pirelli but we know the result from that conversation already and that's a bit hard to accept to accept it'll be related to debris it's like that i'm sure there will be talks pirelli isn't happy with what happened here but it doesn't change anything to the race and the result i got here so basically max is saying like pirelli always says it was debris why are their tires blowing up suddenly without warning oh there must have been something on the track that nobody saw um and in the Autosport piece written about it, they do run down. This is by by uh, Jonathan Noble. They do run down the list of like catastrophic Pirelli t- tire failures in the last few years, and it's a pretty long list of um, incidents where tires just blow the hell up. And so there is a bit of um, there's a bit of distrust, and it's it's frustrating because like. Pirelli has this sort of appointed monopoly. It's not like you can yeah. go to another tire manufacturer and be like, I'm going to go to one that's not going to blow up. They're stuck with it these things. It used to be. <laughs> right. 
Um, and they got rid of that in part because tires were blowing up. <laughs> right. But, <laughs> so there's this like distrust of Pirelli in all this. And then here's the really interesting thing. Did you catch that after the race, when they pulled Hamilton's wheels off his, uh, off his car, one of his tires had a seven-inch cut in it uh, that wasn't wow. along the racing line. Um, and it didn't blow, but like it does look like there was there was shit on the track um, that they hadn't caught that was really mistreating those tires. Um, but like jury's out on what it was and where it was coming from. Must have been the other incidents, but I don't know. So there's another wrinkle here, um, and it's it's not exactly a smoking gun, but um, so. Last year, or not last year because we didn't have a Baku last year, but the the last time we raced here, the tires were one step harder because we've got five full sets, right? And we pick three of them to take to each race. Um, These are the same softness in that range as Monaco. And last time we had one step harder. There's that. And uh, apparently, um, as some have pointed out, Pirelli increased the minimum pressure of the tires on Friday, suggesting that they thought there may be a risk of uh, fatigue failure, meaning that, you know, high loads over a sustained period could cause something bad to happen. Um, So was that just a a correction for using soft tires? I don't know. There's a lot of like causation, correlation stuff here, isn't there? (laughs) You're not quite sure. Um, And then the thing I alluded to earlier, I just wanted to bring it up uh, again, is the, uh, you know, change happens in F1 because of crashes. And both of these thankfully ended up, you know, both guys walked away. Neither actually went to the, I don't think either went to the medical center. In fact, I think Verstappen got checked out. Oh, he did? Okay. Because you think with the the G-forces at least um, that they... That they go under um but max's crash if so i was sort of taken aback by he went right and but to the left of him is one of the scarier pit wall entries in f1 um because it's on a straightaway they have to basically create a mini chicane to get everyone to slow down before they hit the um the pit limiter and because they're going at 300 kph before they hit it um but it if you can imagine, remember the crash that Grosjean had at, uh, last year um, at the Secure Grand Prix, it's uh, it's basically that on the opposite side. It's a 45 degree wall that you would essentially hit. And I tweeted about it and one of uh, uh, my followers, uh, Andrew, sent me a link to Nico Rosberg's track walk for Baku, which he had posted a few days earlier, where he calls out specifically that wall and says, this is... He said, imagine something breaks on the car here. You're going at 350 kilometers an hour. He said this. He said every time he would drive down here, he would remember. He would just like consider how dangerous that wall was on the outside, which is like crazy. Because the problem is sometimes we have these like flashbacks. Like there was a famous Martin Brundle quote like 15 years ago where he talked about how dangerous he thought it was that there were JCBs on the track lifting cars off. You know, this happening years and years before the tragic death of an F1 driver because of that exact same thing. So sometimes we have these little moments where it calls back, you know, safety concerns that perhaps we weren't considering at the time. Um, So this one to me, like the conversation around Pirelli, like you said, will probably, you know, this will, this won't be enough to make change. But if Verstappen had broken left instead of right, we might be having a different conversation today. Um, You know? Yeah, um, a couple things on that. I, I did see Massey, um, the the race director, Michael Massey, responding to Rosberg's comments. Oh wow! Um, saying that he he didn't agree, and basically pointing to the fact that like this is a you know FIA Grade One homologated track. We have checked it out. It's fine. Right. Um, and I I think kind of along the same lines, uh, falling back to the rule book. There's a moment where they replay on the broadcast McLaren asking uh, race control um, to look at Tsunoda uh, having not slowed for double-waved yellow flags. Yeah. So when Verstappen crashed, immediately double-waved yellows come out um, before a safety car is called, before a red flag is called, and that's where the drivers are supposed to slow down and be prepared to stop. 
but because they're formula one drivers and it's a straight if you don't if it's like fuzzy like that um a lot of times drivers won't you know if it's not a hard and fast rule they won't really uh abide by it and you certainly see Sunoda do this, but the race director uh, called back to McLaren and basically said, like, look, if, if, if you're complaining about that, I would have to give penalties to the entire field, basically, because they didn't <laughs> slow down. So by not it's, it's weird that it took I think it took like 90 seconds for um, uh, for him to call a, a red flag. And I think it's because. Well, in a case like this, you wave double yellows and everyone slows down as per the rule book. But that's not the way the real world is working out, as we can see by him saying, you know, I would have had to penalize the entire field. So there's something something is not lining up here. Yeah. Um, And the the other interesting thing, and and perhaps this is a byproduct of the fact that they are now starting to broadcast these uh, team principals talking to the race direction, which is really cool. It gives us amazing insight into just how many plates are being spun here. But uh, another team, I'm not quite sure. I think it might have been Mercedes, was it? Or was it Red Bull who who called and asked for the red flag and said... And, it was Red and Bull. Ray was a rebel. And they, you know, he said like, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's a lot going on. And then he said, our point being that can we just get everyone on fresh, safe tires? Like, yeah. immediately the, with concern... Because obviously they're like super concerned for Max, but also like probably pissed because they haven't had a one-two in forever, and they were on to get a for Red Bull to get a one-two. So yeah, that was that was an interesting call to hear as well. The sort of genuine concern actually in his voice, I found quite um, interesting. Yeah, so we do get a red flag, which under which you can change tires. So we won't really know if those hard Pirellis, you know, doing thirty plus laps if more would have exploded because uh, everyone comes in and, and change tires, I think all to soft. A um, couple of wings too, because you're allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, Hamilton put a new nose on. Yeah. And um, it's kind of amazing because we're, we're going to restart from a standing, we're going to do a standing start and basically do two laps. So is, weird. How did you guys feel about cool. this? Because for me at this point, like after two <laughs> scary accidents, I was like, we're seriously going to do two more laps. Like, fuck this. Like, I don't, I don't see a value in continuing with this race. Now it's proven wrong because what happens is cool. But like at the moment, I was like, we've had two really scary high speed accidents here. Uh, the drivers are clearly shaken. And to this point, this field has started to feel pretty set. And so I was like, I don't fully get why we're doing this. And I don't really love the decision. Um, now, in retrospect, I kind of do. But in the moment, I'm sitting there and I was like, I think. This might just be it. Like maybe I, just- I am one hundred percent with you. I had the exact. I had like the the two little dudes on my shoulders were barking at each other because in my gut I felt like let's just call the let, let's just call it here. Like it's only two laps left. I was you know a little bit like you know maybe recent years have softened me a bit, but like these crashes, man, I, I don't I don't like them. You know what I mean? Like I think when I first started watching F one, it was like an exciting thing. And it is still an exciting moment. And there's a certain element of this sport, of course, that is it's all part of it and it does make it exciting and varies it up and is interesting. But like there's something about that about this what this stuff feels different because I don't like people crashing on straightaways and not having control. It's just and then everyone's gonna be boxed up. So I was with you. I was like, you know what? I think my stomach it's I got up for five in the five in the morning for this. I'm I, I think I'm good. But then the other part of me was like, yeah, but this is gonna be fucking mental. This is like two <laughs> laps. A two laps from a starting start. Like this has never happened before, Danny. You gotta want this. And then the other person on my shoulder was like, yeah, but you want Paris to win probably right. And it looks like he's gonna start from first. Uh, so yeah, very conflicting. So yeah, so for the restart, um, Perez is in first, followed by Hamilton. Then we've got Vettel, Gasly, Leclerc in fifth, and Sunoda, Norris, Sainz, Wow, Ricardo, Alonso. So yeah, it's a it's a great top ten for the restart. Uh, and as we're watching the lights go on, Hamilton, his brakes are just smoking it's one of the most incredible f1 images i've seen in ages because the sun was going down so you had this beautiful like cross lighting slanting across the track and it was catching these billows of smoke coming (laughs) off his car it was like just wreathed in steam um 
and it looks like cool dragon. as hell. But also, I was like, that seems weird. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I'm often F1 breaks do that, and a lot of times it doesn't mean shit. Um, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure it did mean anything here, but it did imply yeah. that he'd done something while coming to the pit box, uh, the to the to the uh, grid box, um, that was about to blow up spectacularly. What? What? Perhaps will I take the restart? Sure. Yeah. So first of all, for people who don't who are new to F1, because I know a lot of people are probably like, "Wait, why is why is brakes on fire?" So like F1 brakes, you know, tires get warmed by going on the track, and you know, drivers taking turns and doing all that sort of stuff. And um, the brakes in F1 cars are cooled by rushing air going through them. So if you're stopping for a while, if if an F1 car stops. Oftentimes the brakes will just burst into flames if they're not uh, like handled correctly, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're like it's like a shark. Um, so smoking brakes are, and that's sorry, that's why you see a lot of like the leaf blowers going on the car when they're in the pits because exactly. those are like blowing air onto the stuff that needs to get cooled. Yes, exactly. So in and of itself, when a when a when you see that type of smoke, actually the best thing that can happen is starting racing. It's not the opposite. Um, so. That's why I don't think I was particularly concerned when I saw that. But but I was thinking, oh, maybe his brakes aren't going to be the right temp entering turn one. And maybe that'll make a difference. It might make him go in lighter or something like that. Who knows? Um, anyway, on the start, away, on the start um, Hamilton has a fantastic start. Uh, Checo tries to cut him off. But uh, Hamilton, I think, might already his nose be like a couple of inches ahead of him by the time they get down um uh, by the time they they meet each other uh then entering turn one hamilton basically has the racing line from checo he's a little bit tight on the inside but as he breaks i is it his rears just lock so his front Fronts. break his front lock sorry so he yep. just like he does his best dino ricardo baku impression and just flies down the escape road like in a way that like what the f- did his brakes fail? Like wh- you, so we saw this back in um, uh, the, the. If you're a recent F1 fan, uh, was it? It might have been last year actually. Was it Monza when Vettel went straight at the at the end of turn one? Right, his brakes failed, so he just went straight. If your brakes fail in F1 car, you don't turn. You're just like, see ya. I'm going ahead because um, F1 cars don't generally brake and turn at the same time anyway. But uh, Hamilton disappears down escape road in a, in an almost like comical like sort of uh you know silent movie style fashion just exits frame the rest of the race yeah. continues and he just like disappears chased by a bear or whatever um and uh you know it's crazy because now we're looking at an incredible uh uh you know perez vettel gasly it's is one two three um should we talk about what exactly happened to him though because uh bit of, there was mo- there was voodoo in baku but a little bit of magic too well let's let, let me um kind of finish the um the restart here uh so yeah hamilton goes straight on um it's probably good that perez did break when he did because otherwise he and hamilton may have collided yes um but he yeah hamilton shoots in front of perez and then yeah Perez continues Vettel on the outside is avoiding all of this and inherits second place while gasly having stayed on the inside of leclerc takes over third place and leclerc doesn't concede um and fights back with probably the most intense turn-by-turn battle oh we've seen gosh. this year and maybe for a, a while. Um, it's awesome. Leclerc gets him on the first part of the straight. And because this straight is so long, Gasly actually gets him back uh, and seals it on the inside uh, of turn one. But then Leclerc swings back around to the outside, tries it again on turn two and turn four. Uh, oh, and meanwhile, Leclerc is also defending from Norris, who's looking for scraps. Uh, it's, it's yeah, it's such a great back and forth. Um, and eventually, though, uh, Gasly does keep the position. Terrific drive by Gasly. He is good. Uh, we saw this with Monza against Sainz. He's good under pressure, man. He, he keeps it together. He's been trialed many times now in these situations for podiums and otherwise. And he yeah. has a head for it. He's good at defending. It was fair racing. Really good uh, by the two of them. Yeah, and I guess I'll just I'll cap it off here. In the end, Perez does keep it together up at the front uh, and finishes in first place, um, which is saying something because he was told right after the race to stop, stop his car, car. like dirt, while he was <laughs> celebrating <laughs> over the radio. Uh, yeah, great job, Jacob. Stop the car. Just just pull over and stop. Apparently, there was a hydraulic problem that could have turned catastrophic. Uh, and that they were worried about uh, rearing its head 
um, before the race had ended. He was he so. was nursing at the yeah the last part of the race. Um, yes. Can we can we say also the best pit wall celebrations since his win at the Sakir Grand Prix last year? Uh, just. Three teams and three drivers who were super oh, yeah. pumped to be where they were. I yes. loved Vettel's radio message where he they, he gets on the radio and it's just like yes 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 yes. <laughs> um, that Old dude Sam. was so happy, uh, and it made me, like it reminded me like he is such an odd little nerd uh, when it when it comes <laughs> like his F one driver personality. But it was really great seeing him. Uh, put together a really good race end to end uh, without putting a foot wrong. Um, it was it was cool seeing him back up there, and maybe he's coming to grips with that uh, with that Aston, which was which and was a, awesome to a, see. And a monumental win for them as well, right? That's the first podium for Aston Martin. That's true. Yeah. Um, um, did but, you guys catch the Mazepin Schumacher thing? I don't think yes. so. Uh, oh, was this? Oh, back at turn two. Is it on that penultimate? No, lap it was or? across the finish the very line. Very end of the race. Oh, no, really? Yeah, yeah it's go bad. For it. uh, I don't know if you've seen the video. The cameras didn't pick it up, uh, but I saw the stories about the fallout from it. Um, so they're racing to the line uh, in the in the flat out part. Oh, and I can see it in the background here, yeah. Schumacher is coming up fast uh, behind Mazepin. And as they're uh, as the road is straightening out, Schumacher has the toe. Uh, he moves off to the right to execute, which should be a pretty easy overtake. And Mazepin swerves over and tries to block mm. him um, at full speed. There is enough room for Schumacher to put the car between uh, like Mazepin and the wall. It's not a full like block, but it was bad. It was a really dangerous and sudden lurch um, that was like. You know, if it'd gone wrong, it's one of those things perfectly calibrated to launch one car over the top of another. Um, and Schumacher, uh, you know, Ooh. flipped him off as he goes by uh, and then immediately is on the radio. Like, what is he doing? Is he trying to kill us? Uh, now, Haas said, oh, it was a misunderstanding. Uh, Mazepin uh, ran out of juice. He ran out of battery uh, on the straight. And then they just sort of say he got frustrated. Uh, and was upset, didn't want to lose the lose the place. And it's like, yeah, clearly he didn't want to lose the place, but that's not a misunderstanding. That's a yeah. like that's a fuck up. Um, and so once again, like it's it is unfortunate. Like it's just going to be recurring until until Mazepin can get his head right. It's going to be recurring uh, theme where like he is mis misplaying his hand. Uh, he is not distinguishing himself as much of a driver, but that's hard to assess when you're in a Haas. But also, <laughs> when it comes to like the judgment calls that a racer has to make, he makes bad ones. Um, mm. He remains kind of a temperamental uh, and thoughtless dude out there. Um, and that could have been real bad. And yeah, Haas isn't making a bigger issue out of it. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's basically the end of Schumacher's use for him. Um, and so like Mazepin might just be one of those dudes who like, he's here cause they can't get rid of him and he's bought his way in, but like nobody has any, t- any, any, bus- any, any time of day for that guy. Yeah. Uh, just a, a couple more end of race notes here. Uh, Alonzo had a monster restart going from 10th to sixth in two <laughs> laps. I will, um, post a, a link to that in the show notes along with the, um, the, uh, Schumacher Mazepin thing um and uh formula one is now apparently doing formula e style in-car interviews of drivers as they're so doing weird. their cool down laps yeah uh they did it with sebastian Vettel, and he was like what uh, uh hi but how did you get my number <laughs> they're like congratulations you on driver of the day and he's like yeah cool it's a weird thing <laughs> i i used to not like this interview format and i don't think f1's cracked the code yet because it's too new but it is so weird when you watch like endurance racing or uh, indycar where they're just like chatting to dudes before restarts or like yeah. before the race, and like the guys are so used to it now um, that it it does it, it's a cool vibe. One, I think if they ever get there, um, it'll it'll be a good interview format. Um, I just don't think, call Yuki Sonoda. God, he is touchy. Shut up. Dump button ready. Shut up. I'm doing it. Shut Leave up. me alone. Shut up. He's the new um, Kimmy. I love it. <laughs> but I also think, though, these formats work a little better maybe with IndyCar and endurance racing because it's always other drivers in the booth uh, sort of chatting yeah, these yeah. guys up who are like, 
recent graduates from the sport. I'm not sure these guys have the same rapport with like Martin or, uh, you know, Crofty. Yeah. Well, um, speaking of some, some radio messages, uh, I have, I don't think I've ever heard Hamilton so distraught. Um, distraught or just over mind blown. Like he just sounded yeah. like he was coming out of a fog. Um, yeah. like he, he's, he's in there and he's like, did, did I leave the magic on? <laughs> Could have sworn I turned it off. And they're like, yeah, you, you, you did turn it off. Uh, but then you hit it on the upshift. Um, and yeah, uh, who wants to explain what magic is? So apparently it was interesting listening to the broadcast live because um, who is it they had? Oh, I forget. Why am I forgetting his name? The- Paul DeResta? No, it wasn't Paul DeResta. It was um, Anthony Davidson? Yeah, Ant. Yeah, so they had Anthony Davidson on. Uh, as well uh, who immediately who knew what the magic was and of course yeah because he's a test driver for them he didn't want to you know he does a lot of sim stuff for them as well he was like maybe I've signed an NDA uh, thankfully Ted Kravitz was also on the cool man and was, threw the wall into the conversation <laughs> totally. well, I'll it was tell like, you what, what magic is I'll tell you what it is so apparently it is a it's a setting that they use during um, non-race conditions to make sure that the uh, brake temps in the in the um, car are kept relatively high so it basically pulls i believe the brake bias all the way to the front is that right uh so yeah yeah um so basically it sounds like at least from that initial thing that he accidentally hit it while he was making a um a movement with the steering wheel uh to uh put himself in place against checo he did it then so it was it was after the restart happened um but it was leading into that before he broke and then when he broke Basically, his rears just didn't work, right? And then his fronts because well, there's the no braking engaging. Yeah, right. Yeah, so the so the fronts just lock up, and he's like, "See ya." <laughs> yeah, a uh, a user on Reddit uh, named Slendis pointed out uh, or took some screenshots, I guess, from the onboards, and noted that with without the brake magic on, the front brakes get fifty one percent of the braking. Okay. Um, and they can tell this from the, uh, there's like a little readout on the steering wheel if you look really, really close. Wow. Um, and with the brake magic on, the fronts get 86.5%. Right. It's like trying uh, to slow so down yeah. a locomotive with just the front, right? It takes forever. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, like you said, Danny, they'll, they'll, apparently Mercedes will turn this on. And I think other teams have similar stuff. But like during a formation lap or behind the safety car, if you do this and you're going, Hmm. yeah if you're doing if you're going slow you can do this and it'll it'll warm the front tires and i think you uh by warming the brake that will radiate out to the core of the tire as well um the the but you're right danny a a video from um the race pointed out that the uh so the the brake magic button is sort of where uh l2 or l left trigger would be on a on a uh, modern game console controller and they noted that to operate the clutch paddle which you need to do at the start hamilton rests his hand a little higher on the wheel yeah it's really Um, awkward looking but i guess it makes sense right yeah so it's it's plausible that he might bump it with one of his fingers when when shifting because if you if you i'll put a link to this in the show notes but uh from bottom to top it's clutch paddle um uh, gear shift and then uh brake magic right uh is, and that, is uh, that is that a ux problem is that what we're going to learn from this is this bad design <laughs> or is, is this just a like, freak instance like it's clearly worked flawlessly probably for hundreds of races so do you design yeah. like like right. let me put it this way if this were an airliner and a hundred people were <laughs> yes. dead. It's obviously yes. a thing that like this can't ever be allowed to happen. But they are seeking like seamless, like faultless performance of this. Like I think the my guess is they might just be like, Lewis, don't hit the fucking button again. Like yeah. it, it, yeah, if it works careful. well enough, it was just it it's a thing that happened one time out of hundreds. Um, you know, I guess you live with it. But I don't know. I don't know how whether whether they will live with it, because um Toto seems really frustrated. Um Bad, bad, bad weekend, and two in a row. Two you in a row. Argue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of other we people. Just take about any times we talked about Bottas today. 
<laughs> well, that's the best yes. thing. He never got into it. Um, yeah. Something about his setup um, or just like he never really clawed his way into this. And that's why, like, I thought last I thought last race was bad for Mercedes. This was like disaster from the jaws of victory. Um, hmm. They were so close to making up ground uh, with with uh, Verstappen, at least um, going out of the race. And then for Hamilton to just yeet the car um not not ideal at least Bottas got some points right drew should we do the grid uh yeah sure <laughs> i'll uh shout out some some stats here too from uh from race fans uh sergio perez winning the azerbaijan grand prix none of the three drivers on the podium uh had ever stood there in any of the previous baku races wow um, and even more remarkably, the Azerbaijan circuit has seen a different driver win, set pole position, and record fastest lap in each of its five rounds. That's bizarre. Um, Perez also achieved a first under the current engine rules. No driver has won races with more than one team or engine supplier in this time. That's cool. Which is kind of baffling. Um, Sebastian Vettel in second, Pierre Gasly in third, and with this uh uh set up on the the podium it's the second race in a row in which no works mercedes driver finished on the podium which has never happened in the v6 hybrid turbo era whoa uh charlotte claire in fourth lando norris in fifth and we've got alonzo sunoda <laughs> signs ricardo and raikkonen in 10th uh, behind them, Antonio Giovinazzi, Valtteri Bottas in 12th. Oh, boy. No, Danny. Behind Antonio Giovinazzi? Yep. That, that's That's got to be the worst driver a Mercedes ended up behind in this race, right? Nope. <laughs> Mick Schumacher in 13th, Nikita Mazepin in 14th, and then Lewis Hamilton in 15th. His worst finishing position for 12 years. Yeah, uh, he should have just crashed out <laughs> the DNF. Well, <laughs> so interestingly, I got a bunch of those. Uh, race fan says on only one other occasion has Hamilton crossed the line in a lower position than he did on Sunday. He took 16th at his home race uh, again in t- 2009 with McLaren's uncompetitive MP424. He was classified 19th in the 2012 European Grand Prix, but was not running at the end, having tangled with Pastor Maldonado. Oh my God, I remember that. God. He just put him in the Maldonado, put him in the wall so bad that that was tragic. Oh my god! Yeah, but with uh, Hamilton down there and Botas, both of them out of the points, Mercedes's fifty-five race run of consecutive points finishes comes to an end. Fourth, just the fourth tied for best, fourth, right? Yeah, fourth best in F one history, uh, tied with Ferrari, who also hold the record with eighty-one in a row. Um, over That's got to twenty ten to twenty fourteen. Toto can't be happy about that. That's, oh, he was so mad. Did you see that video of him? No, uh, he slammed the desk again. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, it's, just ripping his headphones off. Yeah. Oh my god, I love angry well, Toto. It oh, had to brutal. have been. They had to have seen the magic button toggle on. Like they, like they knew what had happened. They like somebody saw on the display. Yeah. What he'd just done. Remember, they can't radio the guys. Uh, you know, at the start, they, and, they, and you also can't do coaching anyway. So I'm not sure. Like, yeah. maybe they could have told him if there were a lap under his belt, and he'd done that. I don't know if that if that falls under the oh, no, no coaching rule. But I think they it happened had, too fast. Yeah, they just yeah. had to watch as he. Uh, not that they would have had time. It was on the upshift, so like they would have yeah. at most. They would have had like the heartbeat to realize, like, oh shit, he's gonna. He's, he doesn't have brakes. And he doesn't know it. He's right. got the magic. It's like something out of like a like a kid's sports movie, you know, where, where you break it down into something really simple to understand, something complex. It's like, oh no, the magic is on. The magic's not meant to be on. No. It's like the the <laughs> Michael Jordan's secret sauce in Space Jam. <laughs> right, exactly. Oh my it's, God. Um, yeah, it's also the, now at this point, uh, Horner and Wolf are just like reality stars, uh, just like shading each other, uh, post race game, but like yep. race by race. Uh, this time you had Horner, uh, talking about like, I think, you know, Toto, uh, you know, bashes his team in public a little too much. It's not what I oh would do. Oh my gosh. Um, and it's like, no, star. you just quietly strangle your drivers, uh, behind the scenes yeah. and like passive aggressively bury them. Uh, Congratulations. Finally getting a number two who by 
also kind of by accident. It's yeah. Because like, people were saying like, oh, Red Bull have finally cracked the number two driver. It's like this ha- This happened to them. He became available. Like th- they made the not particularly difficult decision of getting one of the best veterans who was an underdog right. his entire career or over a kid who a guy just who- never never clicked with a guy who was in a way worse than the that like the red bull pressure cooker couldn't like you know break him like an egg yeah exactly um, yeah. yeah it's so. but at the same time like uh i i would say like there are circuit courses coming up i'm sure like mercedes is eager to get to those but like panic time Maybe. Well, Rob, uh, Mercedes have scored just seven points in the last two races, which is their worst run since Hamilton signed for them. Baku. But just to finish off here, Nicholas Latifi in 16th, George Russell in 17th, um, uh, Max Verstappen in 18th, setting the fastest lap. So he doesn't get a point for that, but no one in the top 10 does either. Um, and then uh, Lance Stroll and Esteban Ocon. Uh, Latifi also received a 10-second stop-go penalty um, for not pitting under the Verstappen red flag. Stay out, stay out, stay out, stay out, stay out, stay out. Yeah, his team told him to stay out. Uh, but And then and then uh, immediately backtracked, but by then it was too late. Um, but They this, were telling uh, him to stay. They thought stay out as in, as in d- don't piss go through the pit lane but don't stop at the box right and he was like what the fuck he's like stay, stay on the out track stay out <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that was converted to a 30 second time penalty um but uh yeah and that that was baku baku wow what a fun time the last yeah. street circuit of the no we've jeddah because true. news 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 should we get into yes. news do it. Singapore's out, unfortunately, although not all that uh, surprising. Um, the Singapore Grand Prix for the second year in a row will not happen. This is, of course, due to the tightened restrictions over COVID-19 in Singapore. It is a very uh, uh, densely populated area. The track is slap bang in the middle of the um, city. So unsurprisingly, they weren't willing to um, risk probably a lot of people in close proximity in the middle of the city for that. So it is out. Uh, the I won't belabor it, but there's a bunch of quotes that are basically just saying that. Um, but uh, the FA are looking to replace it with something. Uh, sounds like we were all in agreement before this podcast uh, that they should replace it with Baku. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, yeah, I th- I'm I here for more Baku. Just like run it. Absolutely. Like it's 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 moving up the 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 ladder of like awesome racing venues. And I think this year it's like the chaos element is too powerful. It's it's there's something. There's something there. There's like mm-hmm. there's like a there's an the ancient beast buried underneath and that it escaped city. Or something. When that sewer grate came up. It, it's that's what it was. The co- <laughs> the cosmic horror was unleashed. We just couldn't see it with our with our puny human eyes. Uh, Rob Ross Braun uh, of Formula One management also feels good about Baku. <laughs> yeah, so he he'd said like he's really heartened by the uh, the reaction to the race. He said, "I was encouraged to hear a number of commentators say we needed another ten laps of the action we saw in the final two laps of the Azerbaijan Grand Prix because it acts as a good prequel to sprint qualifying." Spring qualifying will be a little longer, around 17, 20 laps, but it could well feature the same type of thrilling racing as the drivers won't have to worry about saving tires. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, mind you, a, a two-lap sprint, very different from even 20 laps, uh, <laughs> but this notion of just drive the wheels off the thing does sound cool as hell. We just need to make sure those wheels stay on. The uh, the F two weekend was very good, but the sprint races were definitely more entertaining than the f- the feature race. I think anyway, they were both super solid, and they just vary it up because there's some races where people are hell for leather because they're like, doesn't matter. I've got my position in the next one. It's it was it was a lot of fun. You should check those out, even if you don't want to watch a full race. The uh, F one YouTube channel has highlights of all three races. Uh, go check them out. And we get our first trial of the sprint races come. July 18th in Silverstone. Is that right? Uh, yes, that is the first one, right? That's I think the next one. First one. We have a lot of races between there and then, though. It's, it's, we're one week off and then it's a triple header, right? Yeah, I think that's right. Because uh, Canada, Canada would have been next week, but it's, that was canceled, obviously, already. That's right. 
Um, let's do driver standings here. After Baku, Max Verstappen is on top with 105 points. Lewis Hamilton uh, could have jumped him in a big way, but uh, but for some magic, he's in second with 101. It's Sergio Perez, with his win, has 69 points in third place, followed by Lando Norris with 66. Charles Leclerc in fifth with 52. Valtteri Bottas in sixth with 47. Carlos Sainz is close behind him uh, in seventh place with 42 points. That is... Oh, it's delicious. Round six of 23. <laughs> Spodes well. Uh, Pierre Gasly is in eighth with 31 points. Sebastian Vettel uh, is in ninth with 28. And Daniel Ricciardo, 10th with 26. Behind those guys, uh, Fernando Alonso is in 11th with 13. Then Ocon, his teammate, with 12. Uh, Stroll's got nine. Sunoda has eight. Kimi Raikkonen and Giovinazzi are tied uh, with one point, and then we've got Mick Schumacher, George Russell, Nikita Mazepin, and Nicholas Latifi with zero. In the constructor standings, Red Bull is on top with 174 to Mercedes's 148. Ferrari is in third with 94. McLaren has 92. Alpha Tauri, a little bit back in fifth place with 39. Aston Martin has 37. Uh, Alpine has 25. Then we jump again to Alfa Romeo with two. Uh, with... Mazepin and Schumacher's finish, Haas has jumped into ninth place ahead of Williams, um, but both still have zero points. <laughs> uh, in our fantasy league, you can join in the uh, by clicking the link in the show notes. Um, we have uh, the top three from Azerbaijan, from Brazil, Brasilia Am- Amarela Assassinas. Sure, I'm saying that correctly. Uh, Canada in second place with Enya is a gift to the world. Sail away. And in first place from America, Sebastian Vettel has a farm. E I E I O. <laughs> sure. And on that farm, he has a podium. <laughs> That's true. Um, on. The overall leaderboards in Fantasy League, we have from Lithuania, Tuktuko Varutojai. You guys are really... <laughs> Making it work. Yeah, exactly. Uh, from America in second place, Real Housewives of Monaco. And in first place, from Canada, Ben Van Villeneuve. Hmm. Very on brand. Uh, if you'd like to send us an email, you can do, show at, do so at shiftf1podcast at gmail.com or use the form on f1.cool slash emails. You can also hit us up on Twitter at shiftf1podcast. Uh, I'm Andrew Scanlon. That is at Danny O'Dwyer and at Rob Zachney. That's us around the internet. Let's take it around the world. Let's raise around the world because there's no F1 this weekend. Yeah. There isn't, but there is a world superbike in Misano. The IMSO WeatherTech Sports Car Championship is in Detroit for the Detroit Grand Prix Belle Isle. Hmm. Uh, IndyCar is also in Detroit at Belle Isle. Rock City. Um, we have Campin' World Trucks at the Texas Motor Speedway for the SpeedyCash.com 220. Don't use it. <laughs> don't, don't use it? Don't use Speedy... Don't use... Payday, payday loans. Fuck them. Is em. that what that is? Probably speedy cash. It's called. It's fucking. <laughs> what else is it doing? Could be a yeah, that or some crypto app. stuff. Yeah, yeah, or crypto. Don't do that either. <laughs> uh, the NASCAR Xfinity <laughs> Series is also at Texas Motor Speedway for the Alsco Uniforms 250. Um, the World Endurance Championship is at Portimao for the eight hours of Portimao. Uh, motocross is, is in or. Orlonok, Russia for the Motocross Grand Prix of Russia. And we got NASCAR. Where we're going? Is it in Detroit? Uh, no, it's in Tejas. Fort Tejas. Worth. Uh, Texas. For uh, the Long Star State. Is that right? <laughs> well, Lone it's Star. the NASCAR All-Star Open. Ooh. I don't know Presented if it's a Texas crossover Presented by PD Loans. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Yes. Uh, Speed Cash is, is a payday loan uh, place. All right. And right. it dawns on me, is one of the reasons these places sponsor these things just to bury Google results? Because you click on news for like Speedy Cash, 
Oh, funny. The things that come funny. up are all like racing related. You have to scroll right. down a bit before you find stories about hmm. like predatory lending practices <laughs> uh, <laughs> by companies backed by uh, such such fine institutions as Wells Fargo, uh, hmm. Bank of America, things like that. So, hmm. well, there you go. I'm glad we were able to rewrite that chip a little bit. <laughs> yes. Um, that's Baku, everybody. Final thoughts, Danny? Fun, man. Well, what a what a great place. What a great what a great. Well, we'll have a bum year one year. It's gonna happen. One year it's gonna disappoint us. This year, you know, thirty five laps in, it was a solid weekend. Qualifying seemed to be where the chaos was, but that's the thing. You never know with Baku. <laughs> Final thoughts, Rob. I loved it. Um, I'm <laughs> like it's not at all what I expected um, I cannot get over I know they're friends I can only imagine though um, the satisfaction that I must have felt watching Hamilton just sail that car uh, it's just straight off the track um, like I know they're tight but also their history here and just how like many times Vettel's been the one left holding the bag of shit from, from a mental from a uh, mental lapse <laughs> And just to like have a podium fall into your hands. Yeah. Yep. One for the ages. Uh, if you'd like to support this show and get access to all of those bonus Patreon episodes, you can do so over at patreon.com slash shift F1. And we'll do emails, loads of emails next week. We're not doing them in the post-race ones so, so much, but we'll do them in the follow-ups ones. Uh, Cause yeah, we got a, we got a race to talk about next week. Although it's that Paul Ricard, not, yeah. So we'll, you know, <laughs> so sort of a race. Know. Yeah. Hot and cold here on, on shift F1 with the races. <laughs> Well, uh, thank you, Danny. Thank you, Rob. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Meow. Yeah.